sky Don't be a miser Make your friends wiser Show them the way And they'll say What do you say? I just got back from the auto de fe. Auto de fe? What's an auto de fe? It's what you oughtn't to do, but you do anyway. This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events big and small, famed and forgotten from... Hey, everybody. We're doing it again. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It happened one year, 1967. That's the year we're doing. Yeah. It's been a weird couple of minutes preceding <laughs> this, where we just kept arguing about how to start the show, even though we start the show literally the same every single no, time. No, that's not at all happened. Every single time. Here's what happened. I had a lot of great new ideas about uh, variations on how we could start the show, and Joe rejected all of them. I don't think any of them were great new they ideas to start the show. included faster, slower... <laughs> She did go, hey, everybody, we're doing it again. And it was just too much. I and then, hey, everybody. I felt like the energy was all wrong for what we were trying to accomplish Both here today. gold. Before we get any further, I want yeah. to uh, say a thanks to a uh, friend of the show, John Diner, for the intro today. Yeah, thanks, John. John uh, either has already appeared or will appear in the Visitors to Nova Scotia, which I think by this point should have come out. I would think so. Looking at the yeah. chart and guessing how this order of things yeah. has gone. So we actually have a lot to get into. So let's just get in. Let's cut oh out God. the small talk. Piece. Oh, my God. That's enough. Uh, okay. And we don't have an order. So we're just freeballing it. Yeah. We're out here just winging it. Yeah. 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 So but we are, I should say, we are taking a new approach. I'm going to take us back to small talk. Oh. Taking a new small approach talk time. Uh, to refreshments this evening. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, immediately preceding tonight's recording, it's yep. a Friday. So if you've ever paid any attention to the show... When we talk about when we record, the Friday episodes tend to be a little more tired than some of the other ones because <laughs> yes. usually very it's tired. been a long week, been a long day. You know, it's been tough. Friday, Saturday, Sunday episodes completely different than cool. Friday. Yeah, a lot of so, energy. So, so pre- immediately preceding this recording, yep, uh, we were at Trader Joe's, we were. which, as we've mentioned, is located immediately next door. And uh, Sarah was all like, we need more red wine. Something I don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah, because we had zero bottles of red wine. I have no idea because yeah. I don't drink red wine. But uh, while we were there looking, she's looking at this bottom shelf, uh, you know, two buck chuck red wine that's available (laughs) at Trader Joe's. And she had picked up this bottle, and I don't even know what it was, but immediately next to it was a bottle literally called 1967. And so the universe, again, bringing us things. So even Joe's got a glass of this... Perfectly fine Trader Joe's red wine. Well, okay, let's be clear. In order to get Joe to drink this, I had to turn it into a red wine cocktail. Yeah. Which is not something that you get a lot of, but it's got some uh, some soda water. It's got a little uh, lemon juice and a little sugar in there to, and some ice to spice it up. It is uh, from, I believe, the Griffone, Griffon, okay. Griffoni uh, Winery. In, uh, it says it's a product of Italy, so mm. I assume that means it came from Italy. Or it could be just Little Italy. It could which be is Little Italy. Down the block, uh, yeah, down the street. over on Maxwell Street. Uh, over in the West Loop. Uh, it's a Toscana. Oh, good. Uh, and the wine's called 1967. We were pretty excited about it. We thought that was funny. And uh, as red wine goes, it's okay. It's fine. So, but that's that is the difference. So, if you see me sliding wildly off topic, I'm blaming it on 1967 <laughs> and not the year. Yeah. So, that's yeah. where things go. 
we do have a lot to get into. Uh, this was supposed to originally be three different episodes, <laughs> but we've decided here towards the end of the season, let's really pack some stuff in. We were so, like, you know what? We can make this work. Yeah, I thought that debuts in general all worked, but yeah. I thought having separate episodes to cover this seemed weird. Yeah. So I thought, you know, let's just do... There's a bunch of bands who had their first album came out in 67. Yep. There's a bunch of movie directors who had their first movie in 67. Yeah. There are some TV shows. Some TV shows, That yeah. premiered in 67. Yeah. So I thought, let's just do all that together. We could do that. Yeah. We'll kind of, you know, chat about things, but it's mostly going to be me listing things and Sarah getting mad about it, <laughs> which she's already told me I can't do. <laughs> Joe's just bitter because I was like, we can't just list things. And he's like, okay, I've got 30 TV shows to talk about or 30 <laughs> movies to talk about. I'm like, yeah. that's too many. I just want to throw out there. You know, the facts. I want detail. I like details. Sure. I like silly named bands, like the Peanut Butter Conspiracy, <laughs> that put out a, an album in 67, who I've never heard of. <laughs> right. And I think that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Or bands that I have heard of, but couldn't tell you a song, like, say, Moby Grape. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've got Moby Grape albums. Oh, right, as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else we have? Vanilla Fudge. First album came out in 67. Did it really? Yeah, it's true. Oh, we did have Vanilla Fudge. Yeah. Um, I did want to say that in looking through the directors, uh, you did most of that work, yeah. but what we couldn't find is a uh, director's first movie that had Gary Busey in it so that we could call this episode Debussy, which I really wanted to do. But Joe said, A, we don't come up with silly names for the episodes anymore because then no one knows what they are and no one listens to them. And B, uh, there's no connection to Gary Busey uh, from these directors in 1967. I mean, there might be way down the road, but I didn't think that it would work. Also, I don't think Gary Busey was making movies in 67. I don't think he's quite old enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, Debussy is like a a composer. Is it pronounced? That's pronounced Debussy? Debussy. I've seen that written down, but I I didn't think it was pronounced that way. In my head, it was pronounced Debussy. Well, well, I mean, we should just have Debussy running underneath all of this. (laughs) That's that's free from copyright. We can use all the Debussy we want. Well done. Well, Well now that I know, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that works perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. So you mostly focused on the TV. I did. What uh, what were the were the what's the most popular show that debuted uh, that debuted in '67? Because I real like realized from our original list, we did a lot of TV this year. Yeah. But there weren't a ton of shows that I thought were like, well, this was this you know no. all time legendary show. But I might have missed. Yeah. Them. I mean, there were a couple big shows like the Carol Burnett show debuted in 1967, which is a big old deal. Yeah, I didn't realize that was in '67. Yep. The Dragnet. <laughs> Oh, Dragon ran for a couple a of years. Deal. Sure, and Joe Friday. Starred, starred uh, Jack Webb. Jack Webb. Yeah, starred. Jack and, Webb. And Harry Morgan was in that from Mesh. I thought I would know any of those people when you named them, but I do not. Harry Morgan. He played. Uh, he was. He was the old guy on Mesh. Uh, Alan Alda. No. Oh, then I don't know. No. Um, and that guy from uh, Providence, James Farrell. Okay. He was in Mash, right? I, yes, I don't know. No, oh. I'm not. I'm not as much of a Mash person that I. I know I can name the main people from Mash, yeah. but. That, I don't know who that is. That was a weird connection. So uh, James Farrell, it was in uh, Providence, okay. uh, the drama from the 90s that I don't think anybody watched, but maybe me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think he was in MASH, and then he was the uh, the like, uh, the like speaker, the like uh, speaker, I guess you would call it, at my uh, friend Cherish's uh, college graduation. You're welcome. Are you sure? Are you sure you're yeah. thinking of the right person? Totally sure. One hundo P. Mike Farrell. Yep, that's his name. <laughs> What did you say? James Farrell. James Farrell. So James Farrell's an author who I think 100 years ago wrote the Studs Lonergan books. Yep, definitely. That's what I was. James T. Farrell, I think. (laughs) Mike Farrell played uh, um, Trapper John, I think, on on MASH. Yep. Knew that. Uh, Swing and a miss. You you had a right name, but the the wrong, you know. You were in the right place, but you were at the wrong time. I'm sure at one point in his career, he played a guy named James. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's dead now. 
Is he? I think that's true. Oh, sad. Yeah. There's a couple, not to keep going down the road, there's a couple consecutive New Year's, like New Year's Eve, where a MASH actor died. Oh! And that, because I think McLean Stevenson died yeah. on New Year's, and I believe Mike Farrell may have also died. Wow! We just kept running into that, doing the death pool, like that's the last day of the pool. Yeah. And MASH actors kept dying. Interesting. David Ogden Steers maybe died on a New Year's. Wow. It was, it was weird. It was that weird. is weird. Yeah. Uh, the Flying Nun also debuted oh. in uh, 1967. I've never seen a minute of The Flying Nun. Nor have I. Can she fly? I think that's why it's called flying. Well, does she fight crime? I don't think it's a metaphor. Does she fight Satan? What does she do? <laughs> do you think she's just high all the time? Yeah, she's just flying. flying. Like, is she like a transport like no, system? I believe. Look, I don't think I've seen any of this show, but I believe in the opening credits, she's literally like arms outstretched flying. Like, yeah, we should have watched a flying. No, I have no idea no. what that show even is. No. Because if she really can't fly, what was the point of that show? Like, what was being a comedy? Was it a comedy? Do you comedy? think it was just her flying and people going, whoa, that nun's flying? Well, like, I mean, it has to be part of a plot, right? Yeah. And you think if, if a, there's a human being who can fly, that's fighting crime. But she's a nun. Yeah. Right? Do you think in every episode there's a reveal? She's with someone new and then she's like, hold on. And boom. Yeah. And they're goes. amazed that she's flying. Yeah. I'm like, Sister whoa. Agatha's flying again. Whoa, this nun's flying. I think she, it was a metaphor just for getting high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think it is. Uh, George of the Jungle? The cartoon? Yeah. Okay. I was just hoping you would sing the song. Watch out for that tree. <laughs> and then, and then there are others. We can come back to them that are interesting. But okay. uh, the Phil Donahue show uh, technically premiered in 1967 in in like I think much like Jerry Springer, it was in um, in Ohio yeah. uh, in Dayton. Okay. Um, but what I thought was interesting is his very first guest on November 6, 1967, mm. was some lady who was just uh, on the show because she was an atheist. Oh. Uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare hmm. and she went on the Phil Donahue show and was like uh, hey I'm an atheist and he was like uh, uh, he would later call her message of atheism very important but stated that she was rather unpleasant and that off camera she mocked him for being a Roman Catholic and I can really get that but yeah I guess like a talk show like that around that time that's a scandalous guest to get yeah. right yeah. like ooh she's an atheist she's an like, atheist yeah it yeah. sounds it sounds more you yeah. know dramatic than it yeah. is so those were the biggest of the tv shows what would you say are the biggest of the albums well so there's a lot of bands who put out their first albums mm-hmm. and probably not some of these i think were bands who became were instant successes yeah but some of them were just this was the album before they put out their big album right yeah like you know for example pink floyd's first album is in 1967 Damn. now pink floyd goes on to have a you know a great career but i've never listened to or heard their first album which is called The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Sure. I don't know what that is. It's not exactly Dark Side of the Moon. No. So I don't know if there's hits on that one. But, you know, Pink Floyd is a pretty consistent sound. So yeah. I, would th- I would think even in 67, that's probably not too bad. Probably pretty enjoyable. But, you know, as we've already covered on the show, Jimi Hendrix's first album was sure. in 67. A little artist named David Bowie. Heard of him. Uh, Dolly Parton put out her first what? album in 67. So, you know, there's a lot of... Big names. Bands that are wildly overrated, like The Doors. Oh, my God. Their first album comes out in 67. I assume that there's hits, <laughs> but they are The Doors, so, I mean, how good is it really going to be? Listeners, what you can't see is Joe's using air quotes when he says hits. Mocking air quotes. <laughs> Look, at, I'm sure The Doors, people like The Doors, but come on. <laughs> Like, That's a good argument. <laughs> look, it, I, I don't want to get too critically down the road with this, but come on. The doors, get out of here. Like, Look, it, if we were all like 17 and, and in our dorm rooms and we're stoned out of our minds, yeah, the doors were great. <laughs> Literally outside of that window, the doors are nothing. I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown-up. Literally, if I was 14, I'd be like, the doors are stupid. And when I'm 18, I'm like, the doors are stupid. <laughs> 
I just never had a, I never had an Adores appreciation. Sure, apparently. Yeah. And yeah. I've never seen that movie, and I've always kind of meant to, the, the oh. Val Kilmer movie, the Oliver Stone movie, even though I like Oliver Stone, and I like Val Kilmer. What? The biopic about The Doors. What was it called? The Doors. Oh, <laughs> really? It came out in like 1991. Never heard of it. I've always meant to watch it. I've never seen it. Oh. Yeah. I think Meg Ryan's in it. All right. Anyway. Wow. But yeah, so that comes out. Uh, so it's hard to say what's the biggest. I mean, you know, Hendrix only has the couple albums. Yep. The Doors only have the couple albums. So it's sure. hard to say. But, you know, as far as people who then, like Dolly Parton is putting out albums to this day. Yeah. Uh, She's still going. Yeah, Van Morrison's first album yeah. was in 67. Van Morrison had albums, I think, to the current day. I, I would like to point out that Dolly, Dolly Parton just put out a new song that's a collaboration with a lot of other uh, older singers for the movie 80 for Brady, which I cannot wait to see. I'm sorry. I don't want to take us down a path, but I, I'm very excited. So by the time this episode comes out, yeah. I assume 80 for Brady will now be the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> that, that will, Judging by how excited Sarah is for this film, <laughs> I, I assume it will, it will take the world by storm. It will basically be the Top Gun Maverick yeah. of 2023. Yes. Yeah. Literally texted Joe today to tell him that they're doing a preview of 80 for Brady at the movie theater by our house that we never go to because no. we're AMC members and this is not yeah. an AMC, but we should go. It's tomorrow. Let's check it out. I think waiting until it just hits theaters will be fine. <laughs> Tickets will be available. I cannot believe 80 for Brady is going to be that movie. Look at You know as a, as an actor, yeah. I like Lily Tomlin. Yes. You know, I like uh, Jane Fonda. Who doesn't? Sally Field. Amazing. Uh, the greatest acting talent of our time, Rob Wait. Gronkowski. Oh. Boston, this is Super Bowl champion Rob Gronkowski. I'm not a member. Mr. Gronkowski, USAA is for the military community and their families. That's what makes us special. Oh, but I'm special. <laughs> Uh, this this speaks to me, and this is going to be a great movie. I was fully ready to go in with Rita Moreno, and you went Rob Gronkowski. Don't you love me, man? There was one Christmas where Joe just quoted Rob Gronkowski over and over and over again. Uh, Gronk is the greatest athlete actor of all time. He's very close. Wait till 80 for Brady comes in. Wait till next year's Academy Awards Best Supporting Actor, Rob Gronkowski. Well, you won't let me go see the preview, so I guess I'll have to wait longer. Don't I deserve an Academy Award nomination? <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. Oh, my God. So uh, so that's happening. Yeah. Uh, we can come back to other musical artists. I think that... Oh, the, I've got other TV shows. The yeah. high end is very high for the... Yeah. I've read some lists that claim 67 is the best year for debut albums wow. from bands. And I was yeah. like, I can believe it. Like, there's really a, a pretty stacked group. Yeah. Um, we also want to get into uh, a couple of films. A couple of directors. A couple of directors. <laughs> some of whom directed fairly significant films in 67, some of whom directed things later. So what you had talked about, I wanted to come back to what you had talked about with Phil Donahue and how scandalous this was yes. that there were atheists, atheists on the show. Cannot have that. And so I also wanted to connect this to uh, the first film directed by Bob Clark. So recently I was on uh, Record Cinemation, yep. whose intro today was done by John Donahue, <laughs> uh, the host of that show. Yep. And Bob Clark directed A Christmas Story. Oh, that's right. And he had a good career. He directed some horror movies. He did these other things. Yep. And... I, we talked about on the show a little bit this idea of like being able to direct all these different genres yeah. and you know having this kind of broad thing and that it seems like he directed Porky's basically to make the money to make Chris, to be able to make Christmas Story because it's sort of you know the yeah. Porky's is a dumb sex comedy and Christmas Story probably wasn't the most appealing thing on paper yeah. but in 1967 his first film is a little thing called She-Man oh my god a story of fixation wow which appears to be a wild anti-transvestite film? Yeah, I know it's like anti-transvestite, but it's like transvestites are evil, sort of. Well, that's pretty anti. But you know, like it's like 
the, the transvestite characters in it are real yeah. aggressive. Or I don't know, something. But it is called She-Man, which is a pretty wow. pretty weird thing. That's terrifying. That's his first film. Uh, a movie that I've never seen mm-hmm. and never heard of until today. But uh, yep. but I thought that, again, 67, yes. you know, much like the Donahue thing, creates kind of a wild, you know, this is this is scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. Your favorite Bob Clark movie? Well, I know he directed A Christmas Story. So it's probably Christmas so Story. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, it's fair. What is, do, do I have a different favorite Bob, Bob Clark movie? Well, I thought maybe Porky's. I don't think I've ever seen Porky's. You're not a Porky's fan? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. Is that it, true? It's like a dumb sex comedy from yeah. the 80s. It's uh, it's not something I would be like, you need to watch Porky's. What's like the famous scene from Porky's? <laughs> so there's a girl's shower room. And the the boys peek through the, oh, yeah, the thing, yeah. yep. and the one guy sticks his his uh, his Johnson through the hole that they're peeking through, yeah. And like the the girl's coach or something, yeah. she comes over and grabs that grabs that Johnson. That's the that's, fa- the, that's famous the famous scene, scene in Porky's. Ugh. Yeah, I would say. I mean, maybe I, I just that's the first thing that occurs to me. But I, sure. I'm pretty sure that that's. That's it. All right. Is that familiar to you? Uh, the looking through the holes, yes. The Johnson, not so That's much. like the poster for the movie, I yeah. think, is that like the O in Porky's is somebody's eye yeah. looking through that hole. Uh-huh. Or it's the girls looking at the hole, because they're like wearing towels and they're looking to see like what's going on at this hole. And then out, uh, then penises. Out comes Johnson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's it, though. Okay. Bob Clark, who also then directed A Christmas Story. Brilliant. <laughs> A lovely Christmas <laughs> Uh, but that was his first movie, 1967. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of big-time directors who put their first movies out. Uh, so, you know, going from maybe less to more, yep. just because, again, I know you like me just listing things. Mm. But uh, but Ken Loach put out his first movie that year, which was a weird thing called Poor Cow. People have heard of both. Starring Terrence Stamp. I realize Poor Cow by Ken Loach is probably not I don't much know. Anything. What else did he direct? Two years later, and I'm, I, this is why I wanted to bring this up, he directed right. a movie called Kess, which I realize is also probably nope. not real familiar to you, but it is one of the most acclaimed movies of all time, is K-E-S Kess. It pops up continually on greatest of all time type film lists. I've never seen this movie. Uh, it is sitting on my criterion to watch list for the last three years. I have never heard of this movie. Yeah, no, it's, it's an all time great, and that's really the only reason I brought it up. His, his, his first movie's in 67, all-time great movie, 1969. All right. That's why I wanted to, I wanted to throw that out there for you. A little something for you. Okay, yeah. great, yeah. Uh, Melvin Van Peebles put out his first movie, uh, The Story of a Three-Day Pass. Which he was, a, he was a black director, and he did kind of race-related okay. films. He didn't have a real long career because of this, because his movies tended to be kind of like really serious looks kind of at race. Yep. And so in this era, 60s, early 70s, he wasn't making... Kind of fun black exploitation movies that would you know have audiences. This was more critical stuff, and yeah. now I think he's regarded. Yeah. But at the time, he didn't really get this. Yeah. Um, so it was like in retrospect, we can appreciate what he did. Right, and yeah. I think that that's really the case. I don't know really how well regarded the story of a three day passes. Like I, I, I've heard of it, but I never really you know. It's not usually lumped in as his great movies. He yeah. made Watermelon Man right after this, which was like a kind of satire with Godfrey Cambridge that's great. Okay. And he made Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, which is like also great. But he didn't, he really, really directed a handful of movies. Yeah. And then he acted, so he was around. Mm-hmm. But um, but his first movie comes out. Martin so, so. Van Peebles? Melvin Van Peebles. Melvin He's Van Mario's Peebles. father. I was going to say, I feel yeah. like I know Mario Van Peebles. Mm-hmm. Who is Mario Van Peebles? Uh, he's an actor. He's been, in, I think he's directed some stuff too. Yeah. Um, uh, you would probably remember that obviously he uh, popped up as the uh, Rastafarian character in Jaws 4. No, I would not remember that. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't tell you immediately yeah. what you would know Mario yeah. Van Peebles from. I His know you've seen just, Jaws four. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's had a good career. He's oh. been around. 
significantly. Yeah. Uh, so he's out there. All right, Fra- let's go for someone we know. Uh, Franco Zeffirelli's first movie okay. was in 67. He probably is more famous in Europe. He he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't an international director. He directed necessarily. He yeah. did direct movies here. Sure. But his most famous movies here tend to be movies that I don't think people are still watching. His first movie is The, the, the Taming of the Shrew with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard oh, okay. Burton. That's a yeah. big movie. Yep. Yep. But I mean, are people popping that in now? Like, no. you know. And in, he's in, been recently in the news because in 1968, he directed Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that's what I know him from. Yeah, so yes. he's part of this current lawsuit that yes. Olivia Hussey and Leonard Wigg have brought up because they are nude in that movie and they're both underage. Yeah. And now they, Statue of Limitations, something in California about this sort of thing has opened up. Yep. So they've decided to sue Paramount and Franco Zeffirelli's dead. This is not going to affect yeah. him, but he's clearly the person responsible yeah. for this. Yeah. So he's been in the news lately yeah. because of that. And this was in just listeners to connect the dots. Uh, there was some footage from the filming of that movie in the Our World special that we covered back in episode like three or something. It was really early. Early this year. Yeah. yeah. So this is yet another appearance by Franco Zeffirelli on the show. Yep. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> uh, what you did, not so good. Yeah. No, maybe, maybe not the best. It always struck me as crazy that like... Olivia Hussey. I don't remember, like, do you see Leonard Wittig completely naked? I don't remember yeah. that. But you see Olivia Hussey naked, and I knew she was, like, 15 in that yeah, movie. I'm like, what? Always struck me. It's like, how did they even get away with that? Like, yeah. well, you know, why is it in there? Apparently like, now, know. they didn't. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. So, but it struck me as a weird thing. Yeah. And then on the uh, on the higher end. There we go. People you know. I'm excited. Uh, the great Carl Reiner. Yeah, heard Directed him. his first film uh, in 67, based on his book, Enter Laughing. It's not a real famous movie. Wait, the first movie he directed was based on his own book. Well, I think this is how he was getting oh, film right. work done. I mean, he was in TV forever. So, yeah. like, even at this point, he was an established figure. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he turned his book uh, into a movie. And yeah. I, I I, can't find... I don't think it was a bad movie, but I can't find that it's had a long other life. Sure. So, but he went on to then direct all those Steve Martin movies in the 80s, and he was around forever. Yeah. So, Carl Reiner did a, had a great career. He did well. Solid. Still alive? Carl no, Reiner just dead. died like just two died. years ago. He was 98. Yeah. yeah. So, he was yeah. But, uh. Because it was like him and Mel and. Dick Van Dyke and, and, and Norman yeah. Lear. Yeah. For a while, they were, all these 95 plus guys yeah. were still alive. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and most of them, I mean, Mel's still around. Yeah. Who also directed his first film in 1967. What? Get out of here. Uh, the producers usually is credited as coming out in 1968. Yep. Uh, he won the screenplay Oscar for the 68 Oscars. But oh. the movie technically first came out in 67 i think like its first showing yeah was in december of 67 and maybe the rules then were a little different than they are mm-hmm. now but that is uh yeah. mel's first film and he would have been directing it in 67 so i think that counts yeah i mean i clearly the movie was yeah. done in 67 like i yeah. think they this usually you see it as it came out in 68 yeah or it's labeled as being a 1968 movie yeah but in some places it listed as 67 so that's why i wanted to include it yep uh which is fair yeah uh, we have had this long debate about uh our the best mel brooks movie because yeah. your favorite movies are completely different from mine oh totally uh and and i think that you but it's also a time thing he was he directed movies for so long yep that his movies are actually a lot different yeah. from the 60s 70s movies and then the 80s 90s mm-hmm. movies so your favorite Mel Brooks movie? Oh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, easily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not even an argument. Like, yeah, not even close. It's not an argument about what is my favorite movie. It's also not an argument about what is the best movie. It's that movie. It's the best It's the best one. Men in Tights. Yeah. We're men. We're men in tights. We roam around the forest looking for fights. Even though you have never seen Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. No. 
<laughs> well, that no. feels like that would inform that yeah. film. Yeah. No, I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Like, uh, a chew, a sneeze, hilarious. Blinken. <laughs> I didn't say a hey, Blinken. Bl- <laughs> I said, hey, Blinken. And also, you watched Spaceballs a lot as a oh, kid. Oh, yeah, I did. But hadn't seen Star Wars. Had not. No. Not so, until I met you, I think I had seen Star Wars. <laughs> so this really is like just appreciating comedy yeah. for the sake yeah, of it. Yeah, I saw Spaceballs before. I saw Star Wars. I saw Robin Hood Men in Tights. I've still never seen Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Um, even though I would have been a, a little young, but like around for yeah. those for those. I feel like that was on HBO all the time when I was a kid. So I feel like you would have yeah. caught that. No. Nope. Yeah. Never did. It was like 91, so it was, it was you were a little, a little young. Yeah, it was yeah. a little. I was eight but yeah uh, i mean it's not even and then if you're gonna go back it's history of the world part one like that's it <laughs> so the cutoff is 80 for you that's it like, yes, it's nothing, nothing before, before that, that. no uh, and then it's really from that point forward just I a handful of movies i'm not sure i've seen we must have seen the early producers but i feel like the only producers i've seen is the later one uh with like will ferrell i'm pretty sure i've never seen that producers I've definitely seen that. The producers. Nathan Lane producers. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Like I've always meant to watch it, and I don't think I've when ever did just it come out. 2003 or four. Mm, that would been close. We didn't see. I didn't see it in theaters for sure. But oh, okay. I don't think. I don't think I've ever sat. I've caught parts of it, but I'm pretty sure I've never oh. sat and watched it. Yeah. I've seen that. Fair it's enough. Fun. I've watched the other one, and I think you've fallen asleep. Like it's the, oh, the problem yeah. with the producers. I, I mean, the producers is great. But the problem, if there is one, is that the first scene is one long scene. And I think that that is a little tough. It's almost like watching a play, so it's a little hard to... If you're not not familiar with it, the first scene goes on, I think, for 25 minutes or half an hour or something like that. So that can be tough. But, I mean, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, uh, High Anxiety, which is kind of a hard movie to track down now, but that's his Hitchcock movie. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big History of the World fan. I like Spaceballs, but... Uh, you know, his his real heyday, 67 to 76 yeah. or so, is really, yeah. really something. I get Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is yeah. good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, young Frankenstein? Young Frankenstein's perfect. Yeah, young. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's no Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> just to be honest. Is it just Richard Lewis? Are you a big, just a Richard Lewis fan? Uh, is that it? It's not I, Chappelle. Like, what? what? No. I like Ren- look at I don't I like Men in Tights, but yeah. Men in Tights is a really over the top comedy. It's Carrie Owens. Carrie Owens is great. He's great in that great movie. In he's just great. Yeah. yeah, it's the rapping. It's like the it's the the if we don't get no tolls, we don't eat no rolls. Like the whole thing, it's amazing. It's just great. It's just great. <laughs> yeah, fair. Look at hey, yeah. I mean, again, I I like Men in Tights. I just yeah. again his movies changed a lot. Yeah. Like his early movies, I think, even though. You, it's hard to say Blazing Saddles is restrained because yeah. it's so wild and the ending is so crazy. Yeah. But I still think it's a little more grounded in being a satire of what it's doing. Yes. Where I think Robin Hood isn't at all. Robin no. Hood's just a comedy and it just throws so much stuff out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But it does succeed in a lot of... There's yeah. a lot of good jokes in that. Yeah. yeah. Spaceballs is kind of the same way. Like yes. Spaceballs... Spaceballs is great. Is great and it does the same sort of thing. Yeah. But I don't think it's really working to be a parody of Star Wars, really. Yeah. It's sort of just a space comedy. So, yeah. You know. Um, I think again, I think Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety are trying to actually yeah. parody what they're focused yeah, on. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. No, I, I can buy that. Yeah. But like the thing that Robin Hood Men in Tights has that I am not—you're going to correct me on this—I'm not sure many of his other movies have is a really good set of songs. Like there are, yeah. The Men in Tights song is great. Yeah. The The Night is Young and You're So Beautiful, amazing. Like yeah. just great songs. The only, I mean, the only other one is Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Like, High Anxiety has 
the high anxiety song, which is great. Yeah. Well, and uh, producers has springtime for Hitler, right? Isn't right. that a song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think the producers now get so rolled up with the fact that it becomes a musical. Yeah, that that's it that's gets fair. confusing. But yeah, Prisoners of Love is in there, and yeah. and springtime for Hitler. But but it, you know, they're they're not really yeah part. They're not organic parts of the story. Those are plays inside the story. Yeah. You know? Uh, but Blazing Saddles has the Blazing Saddles song, which is awesome. Oh yeah! Um, it has Madeline Kahn doing the "I'm Tired" song is is awesome. Oh yeah! Um, but there's not a ton of music. It's yeah. not a musical. It's just there's a couple songs in yeah. there. But yeah. But I think that's what his movies were. And yeah. then all of a sudden, Men in Tights has all of these. Yeah. Songs, well, I mean, it doesn't so. have that many. It's but like it's, that... it feels like it's such a sh- it feels like a short movie that yeah. then has these moments. And it's you know, got like, like the the setup of the scenes or those rapping yeah. uh, merry men. And yeah. so I think that's uh, that's part of it as yeah. well it's a oh. more it's more of a musical well, movie. dom de louise is in that movie right oh. playing like a weird godfather yeah. character yeah, uh, yeah. oh great. no what we're forgetting about of course yeah. is the greatest uh musical sequence mel did which is history of the world part one which is the inquisition oh the inquisition but yes. i mean but it's such a standout moment in yeah. that movie and it's so yeah different than i forget about else. that yeah. Yeah, yeah but like i don't think there's a lot of other music in that that i can like there's music but yeah i can't think of other real songs i don't think there's yeah. another that movie's so great i love his i don't know what why history of the world part one got the kind of critical bashing it did in its yeah. day because i remember distinctly the leonard malton film guide gave that movie like a turkey what? I remember as a kid thinking that was crazy. Even yeah. as a kid being like, that movie was great, you know. But I don't know. And I, maybe it just that's always stuck with me. It's like, did everybody hate this movie? Because I thought this movie was great. Oh, the oh. bit about Jesus at the Last Supper. Oh, like, John oh. Hurt playing Jesus is wonderful. So great. There's so many great parts. Oh. Gregory Hines is great in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was thinking when Dom DeLuise, when he plays, he's playing the, the emperor. <laughs> and his whole bit with uh, with Madeline Kahn and everything is just wonderful. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, it's a movie that's aging badly. There's a lot of, like kind of gay jokes and yeah, black jokes yeah. there's, there's some there's some yeah. you know but I think if you can parse that out yeah it still really holds up in a lot of ways yeah. and as we're doing this, this the history of the part 2 hasn't come out no. yet um, but I think it's soon yeah I'm excited there are trailers when I was in high school and I took AP Calc we uh, you, you take the AP class in May and but school still goes to the end of June so after the the test like you're just dicking around during that period of time and you watch movies or whatever and my friend and I convinced our math teacher to let us watch History of the World Part 1. She ah. hadn't seen it. She didn't know what it was. We watched it until the eunuch scene and she was like, we can't watch this. Wow. And she like turned it off because you're like, someone could walk by and she was like, no, no, no. I no. like that the eunuch scene is what broke you yeah. though because you go back to the beginning of that movie with yeah. the cavemen. The cavemen are masturbating pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. So I think she was very uncomfortable. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, whoops. Yeah. I forget. I always forget about that. Sid Caesar plays the the main caveman at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's great. Oh man, so great. History of the World Part One. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been Mel Brooks for you. <laughs> uh, the only other director I really wanted to bring up is the Martin Scorsese's first movie was in '67. Oh, no. oh, that so guy. let's not overlook Martin Scorsese. <laughs> no, it's because his first. I mean, he had made a couple shorts, which sure. you can find. Yep. And then his first full length movie is called "Who's That Knocking at My Door," which is. It's kind of a, a, a very indie feeling, yeah. you know, black and white movie. Harvey Keitel's in it as a you know really young man, and and it's okay. Like it's nothing, it's nothing mind blowing. It's just you can start to see like visually, it feels like a Scorsese movie, even yeah. though the plot is kind of nothing, and it, it doesn't have that kind of harsh grittiness that then his seventies movies have. Yeah, but yeah, that comes out in sixty seven. Nice. So let's not overlook. Uh, and I do know that that relates to a thing you really like about movies and TV shows, which is when the title is a full sentence. Love it. Who's that my knocking fa- at my door? My favorite thing. To wrap up some of the TV shows, I want to highlight just a few things, including a TV show that debuted in 1967 called uh, How's Your Mother-in-Law? 
Ooh. How's she doing? It's a great title. Curious. Yeah. That's a full sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Just not like, who's your mother-in-law? What's your mother-in-law? How is she? How is she? Want to know. Because I think that would draw the the watchers in. The viewers would want to know, well, how is she? How is she? It's like, it's just like, uh, who's your your mother-in-law? But like, how is she? And then she's, you know, the always contentious mother-in-law relationship. (laughs) And then there's tension. A couple other things to highlight. Uh, The Abbott and Costello cartoon show... Uh, premiered in 1967, but you informed me as I talked about this prior, they were both dead. I'm pretty sure they're both dead by 1967, so I don't think that that would have featured the original voices. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. Now, I guess I'd have to check that, yeah. but uh, that doesn't strike me. Why would all of a sudden they're like, we should do that? Do you want? Do you think the people who did the voices did them as if they were from Beyond the Grave? Ooh, Ooh. I don't... I, the... <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I don't know. I've always thought that, like, whenever, like, in old Bugs Bunny cartoons, they would have, like, all of a sudden, like, Hollywood figures of the time. Mm-hmm. They'd have, you know, like, Clark mm-hmm. Gable with the big ears and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of thought there should be a Marx Brothers cartoon. Agreed. Because the Marx Brothers would always pop up in those little yeah. ways. And I was like, the Marx Brothers would actually lend themselves really well to being a cartoon. Yeah. I don't know why that didn't happen, especially considering if they had the Abbott Costello, Costello show, they yeah. were getting close. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. Uh, yeah. Uh, more comedy, The Jerry Lewis Show, which ran for until the 80s, uh, debuted in 1967, what according even is that? to Wikipedia. That's it, like a variety show? Hang on. Is that I just think... the telethon? <laughs> is it just the telethon? Oh, I would be so embarrassed if I was like, the telethon premiered. <laughs> uh, no, it was a variety show. The original version aired from 1963 to 1963, but then a second series, 1967 to, oh, 1969. Oh. oh, and then the final version aired in first run syndication for one week in June of 1984. Oh. So I clearly read that too fast. That's fine. <laughs> it was maybe 10 yeah. episodes. All I knew of Jerry Lewis as a child was the telethon. The telethon, yeah. I, I don't remember, it was on some, it was some holiday, right? It you was know, like Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, as I put it on my list, I was like, I didn't know that ran for 20 years. <laughs> I feel like I would have remembered a show that ran like for 20 it, years. Yeah, yeah. didn't. Uh, yeah, swing, swing and a miss. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth premiered in 1967. Okay. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I mean, it's a book, but it, that was a show. There was a TV a show. A TV of that? show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. I didn't. Not familiar. You're welcome. Very good. A very informative. Uh, the yeah. Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Oh, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Yeah. Is a classic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave and Bob Smothers. Dick and Tommy Smothers yeah. are both still alive to this day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They both appear in The Informant. Now that movie was like ten years ago. Oh yeah, they were. But That's they right. both are in that movie, oh, and God, they're both still great. alive. Yeah. yeah. Yogi Bear and Friends. Oh, good cartoon hey. shows. Good. Boo boo. Uh, <laughs> could, you, could you give me Yogi Bear one more time? A A A Boo Boo. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and then also a show that uh, is not something that you would know, but I thought was very interesting, called uh, Woody Allen Looks at 1967. Are you familiar with this? Oh, I have run across little things about that just from doing this yeah. this season. And yeah, it's I, it's like a, I've seen little clips. There's a I, I saw this clip with him and Liza Minnelli. Yep. In like a in an apartment arguing about some sexist bullshit like it wasn't it was kind of funny but it was very dated yeah yeah uh yeah yes i think it was just a special okay from what i can tell it was starring uh, get this cast woody allen mm. uh, liza minnelli yeah uh, aretha franklin Ooh, aretha uh william f buckley <laughs> that see that's the other thing i remember is i thought that Woody and William F. Buckley have like debates about yeah, culture or they something. Because I think I've run across that yep. too. Yep. When you when you search on YouTube for 1967 enough, 
it'll start to just give you things, and yeah. this is the kind yeah. of stuff it would give. So me. my read on this is that it it was one. It wasn't a TV show. It was like a special. Yeah. It is an episode of Saturday Night Live where Aretha Franklin is the musical guest. Yeah. Uh, Woody Allen does Weekend Update with William F. Buckley, and all of his other sketches, which appear to be one other sketch, is with Liza Minnelli. Yeah, it's fair. And that's and I think he does a monologue or some stand up. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, December twenty seventh, nineteen sixty seven. And it's wild because like Woody at that point isn't a big. He hasn't really made that many movies. I think he only has maybe one or two movies by '67. Yeah. Uh, and one of those is is the the Tiger Lily movie. What's up, Tiger Lily? Which is like a a weird compilation thing yeah. with a, a redubbed thing. But I don't know how why he was famous necessarily. Like he was a stand up, yeah. but maybe it was just from talk shows, like popping up on Ed Sullivan. Or yeah, something, I don't know. To be able to do that, he did this weird special. Yeah. Them's be the TV shows of 1967. There you go. The Debussy's. 1967. Very good. Very good. So the only other thing uh, to quickly loop back to, uh, your favorite thing, where I just name a bunch of bands. Oh, Jesus. Are you excited? No. So other bands who also had popular uh, first albums, or at least significant-ish first albums, uh, Surrealistic Pillow comes out in 67, the the first Jefferson Airplane album. Oh, okay. Which is a big album for them. I thought the band was Surrealistic Pillow, and I was like, what are you doing, man? Jefferson Airplane, who who had a a nice run, uh, and then turned eventually into Jefferson Starship, and that kind of sucked. But uh, that was where that was. So they're out there, the Velvet Underground, the Lou Reed Band, sure. who ended up doing, you know, uh, Walk on the Wild Side and all yep. things like that. Uh, Traffic's first album was that year. Uh, we have Traffic albums as well. Traffic did Hey, hey Mr. Fantasy. That was um, Steve Winwood's band, I think. Oh, okay. Um, Arlo Guthrie's first uh, album comes out. I, I do have Alice's Restaurant uh, make a quick appearance on the Blizzard Studio Nova Scotia if it hasn't already come out. Yeah. Because that did come out basically around the same time. Janice Ian, who I love, Janice Ian's first album comes out in 67. She did that song uh, at 17. She was the first musical guest on Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her and Billy, uh, Billy Preston. Sure. First episode. So they're out there. And then uh, a band that I, I feel like I talk about more than I should. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember why exactly. If this has popped up in other stuff I wrote or something. It's just because they have a hilarious name. The Strawberry Alarm Clock's first Oh, yeah. Album. They've come up a lot. Came out in 67. Yeah. I don't know why I focus on the Strawberry <laughs> yeah. Alarm Clock as much well, as We I talked do. about them in the Love In episode. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They were a West Coast band. Yep. There's a couple of these were just like big West Coast bands. Yeah. You know, like um, Janis Joplin's first band, The Big Brother and the Holding Company. Their sure. first album comes out in 67. Yeah. So there's a lot of things Lots like that. Lots of good music. And of course, The Peanut Butter Conspiracy. Oh, my God. I don't know who that is. So I realize this was just a lot of naming stuff wrapped around that 25-minute discussion on Mel Brooks. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think that 67 did have a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And these are the kind of things that I think contributed to us doing this season in the first place. Like, yeah. when you end up starting to make this list and you start to see all of this stuff, yeah. you're like, oh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And then you get a year down the road and you're like, we didn't talk about anything. <laughs> we need to throw all of this in there. And so that's basically oh what God. happened to this we season. We did that whole episode about lovin's. Why did we do that? <laughs> We could have been talking about Janis Joplin. You know, we could have talked about Dolly Parton this whole time. Ah, oh, son of a gun. So son of a gun. We tried. We tried. But um, <laughs> but we do have, I, I think there will be a couple more episodes after this where we're, we are winding down. Yeah. So season three is more or less on the way. But uh, we wanted to make sure we got this in. I'm glad we did this as one episode. I yes. feel like this would have been weird. I agree. Split up. This was fun. I'm glad this worked out the way it did. Um, listeners, if we were to do a poll about what year we do next, what season three is, <laughs> would you respond to that poll 
write in and let us know. So we should put that. Should we put that on Twitter? Yes. Can we put a poll? Would you respond to a poll <laughs> about <laughs> the next season? Yeah, let's just do that first and see if anybody goes for that. Uh, we can do that. I think I can do that Good on idea. the Instagram yeah. uh, story too, right? Yeah. And. I think we have, we must have a few dozen Instagram followers. Not like the thousands of Twitter followers, because that's what Twitter podcast is. So, yeah, see if you can uh, go and look for that and respond and let us know. Um, I don't know how we would do... We'd have to just do a box, right? And just type in your answer. We couldn't do a multiple choice. No, we'd have to give them options, I think, to do a real poll. I guess we could go by decade. Yeah. Like, which decade would you yep. like us to cover? Do you want us just to cover 2021? Yeah. The year we started the show. Could do it. Is the first episode about our show. <gasps> episode That's one. brilliant. It happened one year. <laughs> if you think people aren't listening now, <laughs> wait until we put that I think up. that would be a really fun episode to our do. Our least listened to episode. If uh, for A little trivia for you, too, because I don't yeah. think you know this. No. The episode absolutely that has been heard the least is our 30th anniversary anniversary episode. Oh, no! Yeah, which is, I think, episode <laughs> five or six in season one. I thought that was really funny. I thought it was a cute idea. It's not even a long episode. I think people see that title, and they're like, this is nothing. And they just move right along. I don't really focus on the numbers, so I don't really notice it, but every once in a while, I'll, like, scroll back and see, like... when That's People still watch, still listen to the first couple episodes a lot, and, you know, when, I think when they first hear about it or whatever, they're like, yeah. let's check it out. But the 30th anniversary episode, that one gets skipped. People are just like, not this. This is dumb. <laughs> such a cute idea i thought it was funny oh. but uh clearly i'm the only one swing and a miss yeah uh, well i was with you which yeah. is why why we shouldn't do the show yeah, together that's fair um our 100th episode is coming up i think we <gasps> talked about this before yes um this i don't know what number episode this will be but we are in the 90s at this yeah. point with this episode oh, I'm so very excited so I, we have to come up with a plan for that yeah. uh listeners should that be our last episode <laughs> Have you decided that's enough? Let us know. You know, we start season three and immediately end it. We do two episodes about 1943 and then, <laughs> and then done. The hell with these these jokers. Uh, a podcast that will live in infamy. Yeah. 1941. How do you want to go out? Do you want to just name people who were born in 1967? Or yeah. are we going to lump that in with the people who have died in 67 in the upcoming In Memoriam episode? Yeah. I would say the latter. Okay. I kind of want you to do your Gary Busey impression. I don't to go Jeez. You with Debussy again. <laughs> I don't have a Gary Busey impression. Uh, you better come up with one fast. You tried to, you were describing yours earlier, and then you said you were going to work on it. I wasn't describing it. I was doing it. Could you not tell? Let's have, let's have your Gary Busey impression. No, I asked you first. I know, but you were the one who actually has already done this. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Gary Busey. That's kind of how you do most impressions. It is. My impression. You have to say the person's name because otherwise it's completely meaningless. Because I don't know anything that Gary Busey would say. Yeah, I can't. I don't have a. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I've ever even seen anybody do a Gary Busey. (laughs) So much of it is physically. He's got big teeth. Yeah. You know, there's kind of a crazed look. So here, I'll do it. I'll do the visual for you, and you react as though how how close it is. Okay. That's just your face. (laughs) That's nothing. That's your face. I can't. I can't do it. No. I don't think that's such. He just just smiled. That was, but with teeth. <laughs> no. I think that was pretty good. All right. I suck, disagree. Suck it. Listeners, send in your best good abuse impression. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. This has been It Happened One Year. Make sure you swipe left on our podcast. Is that how that works? I don't really know. If you're like me, you like talking to things. Like, uh... Hello, Lamp. Hello, Gary. See? Hello, Pants.
thank you, fish, for being here.